Half the battle is back. It's me, Daniel Levy, your host. And man, Conor McGregor and Nate Diaz are about to fight. So you know we had to stack the show. We got the executioner James Vick in the house, Mike Biggie Rhodes, and Sean Carey Tattoo. James Vick, what's up, my man? Nothing. I'm just chilling. I'm excited to break down the fights. Yeah, me too. What's up, Biggie? And not much, man. Same here. Ready to uh, pick some winners and uh, make some money this weekend. Fuck yeah. And I know Sean Carey Tattoo's got the same thing in mind, right? Oh, yeah. Going to make some money sitting down here with the crickets, drinking, smoking. Good. <laughs> and real quick, uh, Biggie Rhodes, it's not often I get to talk to someone that just cornered a UFC world champion. I mean, your boy, T-Wood. I mean, one doesn't simply knock out Robbie Lawler, but one doesn't simply get into a fight with Robbie Lawler and not take a punch. So, firstly, congratulations. And, uh, I mean, you told me all along he was going to do it, but then he went out there and did it. What was it like cornering a UFC world champion? Uh, the experience was huge, man. Um, honestly, just the back, the back story, you know, him showing you guys champ camp. And that guy does not, like, leave a – he does not leave anything, a stone unturned. Like, he literally – um, he's he's OCD, first of all. If you really know him, he's OCD. So you just take his personality and put it in training. He has to do every rep. He has to do everything correctly. And that's what led to, uh, you know, him earning the belt and doing it the way he wanted to do it. And uh, I just absolutely lost my mind when, when he won. I just turned around and started – you were right behind me. I just turned around and started screaming. And, you know, I just, just went crazy, man. I was just elated and so happy for that guy. And, um, you know, it sucks all the backlash he's taken now for all the things that are going on, but it was just a great moment to be a part of for sure. Yeah, I mean, we can forget about all the out of the cage shit, but in the cage, I mean, he beat Robbie Lawler, and then you pointed at me. We had a, you had an I told you so moment with me because you told me all along that he was going to get it done, but we got to get to UFC 202. Neil Magny's fighting Lorenz Larkin. That's a hell of a fight. Neil Magny's minus 140. The comeback on Lorenz Larkin is plus 120. Now, uh, Magny's got an 8-inch reach advantage in this fight, and he's one of these guys that's very good at using that reach. Now, he seems to get rocked early in his fights, but I'm not entirely sure if he's getting rocked or if he's playing possum out there. And with Lorenz, if anyone can close the distance, it is Lorenz. I mean, he's got that speed, but something about Magny, man, he's such a winner, so it's tough to pick against them. From a betting perspective, I understand the plus 120, but man, uh, I, I just don't feel too confident picking against a guy like Neil Magny. Now, Sean, you bet on Magny every single fight, so I'm going to let you go first here, man. What do you think about Magny versus Larkin? That's right. I, I I have bet on Magny every single fight in the UFC. That's uh, my mortgage a couple times. Uh, almost every time he's he's the dog. Uh, this fight, in, I feel like this fight is more dangerous than than Lombard. Maybe more dangerous than Gastelum. The 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 big issue here is the speed. I mean, Larkin Larkin can put the speed on you. It can be it can be one shot. He's not a big puncher, but he does catch you with things that you don't see. Um, the, the, the tough part to, for Larkin is if he was to hurt Magny and not finish, I think that's a pretty bad thing for him. Cause I think in the third round, you can see even against Mastodol and, and other situations, you can see the fight kind of draining out of him. I'm not sold on him at, at 170 yet. I feel like he was on the way out versus Ponzinibbio before he caught Ponzinibbio. Um, yeah, I've, I've never been a big fan of Larkin. I think he can catch Magny early, probably hurt him, hopefully not get him out of there. But as the fight keeps going, he he does 
have a tendency to slow down and do nothing. He does have a tendency to kind of stare, stand there and stare. And Magny has a tendency to make other guys stand there and stare. So Larkin can win the first round. The second round's probably going to be close with Magny coming forward a lot, landing a lot of straight shots. And as Larkin starts to slow down and get tired, he'll start backing directly up against the fence. And Magny can do work there. Magny can grab a body lock and, and dump him on his head. Maybe not keep him there, but dump him. So, I mean, Magny's one of these guys with a reach advantage, but a lot of guys have reach advantages, but not everyone uses their reach advantage. Now, James Vick, I mean, you're the tallest guy in the UFC lightweight division. So, I mean, what do you think about Neil Magny versus Lorenz, man? Well, I'm actually really, really cool with Neil Magny, and I hate to say this, but I think Lorenz Larkin's a stylistically really bad matchup for him. I think that he's, um, he's so explosive, fast twitch, but... It has a good, very good chin. Really, really hard to take down. Um, doesn't stay stationary too much. Like, like um, he was just saying that. Uh, yeah, in the third round he'll fade a little bit, but I, I think that he could definitely win the first two rounds. I don't know if, if he'll get the finish potentially, maybe. But um, Magny does a really good job. But the one problem is he doesn't. For him, I guess, he didn't have big power enough. I don't think he has enough power to really keep Larkin from coming in. And I don't think that his, his wrestling, as good as, as it has looked, and it's been really impressive, especially the way he did Gaslam, I don't think that he's going to take Larkin down and be able to keep him down at any, any time at all. So I, I think that, honestly, I think that either Larkin can win the first two rounds and just got to kind of weather a storm, maybe a third round, or he 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 could potentially get the finish. But we'll, we'll see how it goes. Um, I'm going against these two guys, and I'm picking Neil Magny here for the win. We got to talk about Tim Means, who's minus 440, versus Sabah Homasi, who's plus 350. Now, in my opinion, Tim Means is one of the best strikers at 170 pounds. And uh, what I really like about his style is that hand fighting. I mean, he does the, the touch and go, the slip and rip. He does all of that very expertly. I mean, the, the straight punches are crisp. And another thing that's really cool about him is he's able to mix up his game too. You watch his fight with Sullivan where he took him down and submitted him with an arm triangle. So, you know, people are saying that this is striker versus striker and on paper that's true. But I mean, he could also take down Homasi too. Now, Homasi is the guy that fought uh, George Makako Patino like two weeks ago on Titan FC. And, you know, Makako is a legend of the sport. He knocked out Jacare back in the day. But at this point, you know what I'm saying? He's in his 40s. He's, he's what we like to refer to as a jobber. And uh, Sapa actually struggled putting uh, Patino away, which was kind of surprising, man. So to me, this is like the biggest step up in competition I've ever seen in my life to go from Patino, you know, an aging past his prime Patino to uh, Tim Means, and uh, I think that uh, Tim Means is going to welcome him to the UFC with uh, either a knockout, a submission, or a decision. I think he can, he can win all three ways, so we'll see uh, We'll see which way he chooses to win this fight. What do you think, Team Rock Biggie? Yeah, I think uh, this is obviously Tim Means' fight to uh, showcase, uh, you know, with, with the guy coming in uh, late notice. I wasn't very impressed with Saba on the on the show um, on the Ultimate Fighter when he was the Black Zillions versus ATT wasn't very impressed with him um, there um, like you said this is a huge step up in competition Tim Means is a mean and nasty reinvented guy at 170 pounds uh, you know just got over that little thing with USADA whatever that was <laughs> um, I think he gets right back to work 
Um, I, I figure he's going to put this kid away early. He's just too diverse, too dynamic, too good everywhere. And, um, yeah, I just don't see any way this other guy can win um, win this fight. Uh, this Tim, Tim means fight definitely to lose. So um, I think it'll be a, a pretty easy night for Tim Means. Yeah, and I mean, his nickname's the Dirty Bird. I'm from ATL. We got the ATL Dirty Birds here, the Falcons. So you know I got to go with the Dirty Bird. But, uh, you know, I never do parlays. But this event, I'm doing a parlay because it's not the rule. It's the exception. And here, I just, I mean, look, Tim Means is minus 440. I think he should be minus 940. So I really don't have a problem parlaying him. Now, James, I know you saw Sabah Masi's last fight because you tweeted at me about uh, Patino not only being Thomas Almeida and Felipe Aranche's coach, but he also coached uh, Charles Oliveira and Cyborg back in the day. Patino did. And now Homasi went from Patino to Tim Means, which, like I said, man, that's the biggest step up in competition I've ever seen in my life, dude. Yeah, one, one is five foot seven, the other one's six three, <laughs> <laughs> and, and, a, and, a, and a really slick southpaw. Um, that, I think that, honestly, I think that's Tim Means is really his best events. Besides the fact he has, you know, he has a really good chin, but he's just a real slick southpaw, and they're very hard to deal with. He's a tall, tall slick southpaw, and they're very hard to deal with on the feet. And um, yeah, I think he wins hands down, and that's you know, as he sh- that's why he's the favorite as he should be. Absolutely, Sean K. Are we completing a you know for three people it's a hat trick. What's it called when four people agree? Uh, a boot <laughs> trick. Yeah. Um, yeah, I agree. I agree with you guys. I think this is means his fight to win uh, to lose. I think you know he is too sharp. He's too calculated, and above all, he's a mean son of a bitch. You can you can see him in there loving to hurt, uh, and he does that well. His his downside is that he's hittable and Hamasi is not a small guy. And when he's got wrestling introduced to his fights, he has problems and then it gets tricky for him. But if two guys are going to stand in front of each other in this fight and they're going to bang and you got to give Hamasi a little bit of a shot to land something. Um, me means for, for as tough and as gritty and as vicious as he is, he can be hit and he can be hurt. So don't completely throw it out the window. But, yeah, if you want to pick somebody on this card to be safe, I feel like means probably pretty safe. Yeah, now next up we got Hyung Yu Lim, the ace. He's minus 270. And the comeback on the newcomer, Mike Perry, is plus 230. Now, Hyung Yu Lim is no slouch, man. You know, a lot of people give a lot of shit to the Asian fighters, but if you look closely at it, it's really, you know, the Japanese and the Chinese fighters that don't have much success in the UFC. But the Koreans, yeah, man, the Koreans, the Koreans are no yeah. fucking slouches. I mean, look at the Korean zombie, look at Duho Choi, look at Dong Young Kim, and now look at Hyung Yu Lim. I mean, he's a motherfucker. The flying knees, the straight punches, he's huge for the weight class has a big reach on Mike Perry. Now, Mike Perry, props him for taking this on short notice. And what's cool about him, or maybe not cool, is that he's never been past the first round in all his fights. He's won via knockout. But you go back and you watch those fights. I mean, I mean, he fights with his hands down, and uh, he's too small for the weight class. He gets rocked a lot on the regional scene. Now he's stepping up to fight the ace, Hyung Yu Lim. I, I just think uh, Hyung Yu Lim is going to knock him out, uh, plain and simple. Now, Team Rock Biggie, I know you know firsthand how good Lim is because he fought your boy Pascal. And that's not a shot at your boy Pascal because he had the balls to go in there and fight Lim. But you know firsthand how dangerous Lim is. So are you picking him here? Yeah, um, exactly. Lim is somebody who is an animal, man. That dude is huge. Like, for him to make weight, he is definitely murdering himself, though. Um, It's definitely physically draining for him. I've seen him weigh in before. Um, I'm interested to see how, you know, the IV and all that stuff, 
uh, works itself out, but also having the early morning weigh-ins um, and having more time to recover might, you know, benefit him really well being so big for the weight class. But yeah, that Mike Perry guy, I'm not, not impressed at all with his skill set. Um, I think Pascal's head, head and heels above that guy. So um, I think Lim has no power here. I mean, no problem here. And I think he puts away the newcomer um, fairly quickly. Hey, JV, I mean, you're really big for your weight class. I mean, when the new IV and the early weigh-ins, when all that protocol started, I mean, how did it affect the way you, you know, approach your weight cut? Was it better or worse? Um, well, it uh, really didn't affect anything at all because, to be honest, before about three, well, at this point now, like probably three fights before uh, – before they cut the IV off, I was the only time I ever had IV. Up to that point, I never really had it. And I think it's a lot, so much of it's mental, too. You know, what we've always talked about weight on, on when I'm on the show with you and how, how a lot of these guys, I just feel like they, they struggle with weight. Because, I mean, it's never easy. It's hard as hell for me to get down there, and it's probably hard for him to get down there as well. But it's a mental thing, too. You know, it's a mental strength thing as well. And um, like you said about, you know, having an extra six hours to replenish is, you know, is always a good thing. And I think that, you know, I don't think the weight cut is going to gonna be any, any different than he's probably went through. And if not, it might be better just because he has an extra few hours to, to replenish. Um, some people it affected, but I, th- I don't think the IV affected people the way the general public thinks. It, you know, IV ban, I don't think it affected the fighters the way the general public believes it did. That's actually a really good point, man. So you think it's kind of like a media thing, just talking about it and making it more of a big deal than it really is? Yeah, or it's just a, a, if the fighters are that that concerned, they're, they're, in my opinion, they're mentally weak because the other guy ain't using one either. It's not like he. It's not like you're the disadvantage because you can't use one when he can't either. You know, so that's the way you have to look at it. You, yeah, you're right. You're not getting IV anymore, but neither is he. So you're still on you know fair playing ground. So. um I, I, I believe weight cutting is, is just like any just like anything else in fighting. I believe it's mental weakness or mental toughness. You know, it's just, that's what, to me that's what it boils down to. So with that said, you're picking Hyung Yu Lim for the victory. Yeah, I don't really know much about the other guy, and um, I've seen the Korean dude fight a couple times. So yeah, I'm I'm for sure gonna go with him. Sean Carey tattoo. Who you got, man? Yeah, I got to go with Lim too. Lim is a, is a big, uh, well, huge. Uh, pocket kind of wild power puncher. Uh, his cardio gets shit on, but honestly, I don't. I don't know why his cardio should get shit on. He looked pretty decent in the fifth round of that Safadine fight. Uh, he showed a pretty decent chin. Um, on the other side of the coin, Perry. I haven't seen a lot of people who are less ready to jump into this kind of fight in the UFC than Perry. You can watch his amateur fights and watch him just get knocked out. Sometimes he gets knocked out and, and it's at the end of the round. So he gets through it and his boxing match, he does get knocked out. He gets hurt over and over and over. When you go back and research somebody who's debuting, it's not often that you see the guy get dropped and hurt over and over again. What he likes to do is, is stalk you and then get to his spot where he thinks everything is right and, and launch one single power, uh, power shot his hands do look fast, and he looks to carry some power, but that's not, not going to get you too far at this level. Uh, at this level, he's going to go in there, and he's going to wait around on Lim, and Lim is not going to wait around. Lim, uh, there's going to be an exchange sometime in the first round where 
limb gets the best of it, hurts him, and is able to finish at that point. And not only is he going to be feeling that UFC debut, but he's also going to be feeling that range that Lim has. There's a serious size difference here. So whenever Mike Perry goes in to throw those big bombs, he's going to have to expend a lot of energy. And you mix that in with the UFC debut, it's just it's not going to be a good night for him as far as my prediction is concerned. Now next up, we got a very good welterweight matchup between Donald Cowboy Cerrone, who's minus 165, and the comeback on Rick the Horror Story is plus 145. Now... Man, the thing with Donald Cerrone is he really has, he never loses to non-top five guys. He always wins in this spot. I know this is up a weight class at welterweight, and this is the first you know true welterweight he's fought. You know, and that's no disrespect to Cote or Alex Cowboy, who are really good fighters as well. It's just that you know Rick Story. This is a guy that beat Johnny Hendricks, beat Tiago Alves in his prime. You know, beat Jake Ellenberger back in the day. Rick Story's been there, done that. But my biggest issue here is. I think there's a big speed difference, man. I think that after Rick Surgery's neck surgery, you go back and you watch his fight with Safadine. Yeah, he did whoop on Safadine, but man, he looked really fucking slow in that fight. And also, there's a backstory. Uh, Biggie, our boy Bilal Muhammad, got a call to step in for Safadine in case Safadine wasn't able to make the contest because, you know, Tarek was thinking about pulling. He had a little cut on his knee or whatever. So. Rick uh, went the distance with an injured Safadi, and he still looked really slow. I think the speed difference is going to be evident. Donald Cerrone uh, is going to hit him with the same high kick that Safadi hit him with. But I think Donald can actually drop him. And then after that, it's a matter of, you know, does he does he finish him with a submission, which he is known to do? Or uh, does he make it a 30-27? The thing that Rick Story has going for him that's really good in this spot is he swarms dudes. He throws big hooks to the body big hooks up top and we all know with the cowboy you gotta swarm this dude you gotta do exactly what i just said but man that speed i just don't think he's fast enough to put the cowboy down so therefore i gotta go with the cowboy jv who you got man yeah i'm gonna pick cerrone as well he looked really good his last fight against cote um he did really actually cerrone did really well against south falls because of his real his right body kick and right high kick He's the and inside low, just right kick in general, you know, inside low kick, high kick, body kick. He did really good. I remember he knocked out um, Adriel Martins with the, with that kick. He stopped Jim Miller with that kick. Um, he just he, he's his right kick is really a lethal weapon. Can you hear me? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Keep going. Uh, his, his right his right kick is really lethal weapon for for the South Falls that he's fought so far, and I think that. Um, even though he's moving up, I don't think he's really that much smaller than, if any at all, than Rick Story. I've seen Rick Story in person. I don't. I mean, I don't think Cerrone's going to have a size disadvantage at all. Rick Story does have a, you know, a good wrestling background, but Cerrone, you know, Cerrone never really gets held. It's not like he, I don't think he's going to be able to get Cerrone and hold him on his back or anything like that. And Jiu-Jitsu is not also not even as good as Cerrone's as well. Um, Rick Story does have a good chin, though. Um, I'm not sure how it's going to play out, but I think I do think Cerrone's going to win for sure. Yeah, and Rick Story moving to the Black Zillions, I actually think that's a great move for him. That's a really good camp for him. Um, he was at TriStar for a little bit. I don't know what went down, why he had to leave, but, man, Black Zillions is a really good camp, so I'm sure he's going to have a lot of success in the future. I just, man, I just don't think he's going to win this fight, but if he does, he has to charge the cowboy and throw the big hooks that he's known for. So, Sean Carey Tattoo, you've faded the cowboy many times. And, I mean, we have to eventually learn our lesson that he doesn't lose in these spots. But do you think this could be the time? 
Cowboy is my anti Magni. The 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 more I bet on Cowboy to lose, the better he looks. The more I bet on Cowboy to win, the worse he looks. I have no grip on Cowboy fights. Uh, I'm completely staying away from now on. He's he's the worst guy. Over the past six years, I have lost on nobody more than Cowboy. Like, I don't. I, this is the kind of spot where I like to fade him. It's a it's a straightforward pressure guy with with straight boxing and volume and a serious chin. It seems like Story could get to him, push him against the cage, and work that body where Cowboy seems weak. And he could do that over and over again. And when he does get caught, he shows all signs of being able to walk through it. Uh, but you're right, Daniel. There is a huge speed deficit here. So that, that that's going to be tough for him to overcome. But if he keeps moving, he keeps doing Rick Story things, keeps pushing him up against the fence, keeps working the body, I could see him pulling off a decision. But because I'm a complete retard when it comes to <laughs> cowboy fights, I'll be passing. <laughs> uh, Team Rock Biggie, is uh, Rick Story going to be able to keep that relentless pressure on the Cowboy, or is he going to eventually succumb to either a left high kick, the triangle choke, or just whatever it takes? Um, actually, I'm going to give uh, Rick Story uh, the big upset here. Um, I think that he oh might, yeah, yeah, I think that uh, you know the the way to beat Donald Cerrone is go to his body. Everyone knows he's weak there. Um, he's kind of like Matt Brown. When you go to the body, he kind of folds up. So uh, Anthony Pettis showed that with the big left kick. I think that um, Rick Story will be able to show that with big punches. I think he he matches. He, he does really good uh, job of going to the body and going to the head, finishing with 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 the head off the body. And uh, Cerrone likes to clinch in close, but he 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 also stands up really tall when he clinches. As we saw in the Eddie Alvarez fight, he was able to be hit uh, really hard and be almost rocked, but was able to land some good knees. I think that with the power that Rick Story possesses, I think that if he gets hit like that in close to the body and then up up top with the hooks, I I can see Rick Story putting uh, Donald Cowboy Cerrone down. And, uh, you know, I, I don't know what the prop is on it, but I think that he can finish Cowboy Cerrone. Um and that's going to be my pick there. Well, story wins inside the distance is plus 557. So, Biggie, if you're on to something, man, that, that would be a very, very sharp play. And uh, let me ask yeah. you something, Biggie, in your opinion, man. So you mentioned how, you know, Cowboy is notoriously weak to the body. Do you think him going up 15 pounds is going to help him there? Um, I don't think the weight is something to do with it. I don't, you know, I mean uh, – I don't know what his issue is with the body. I don't know if he just doesn't do a body conditioning or, or if he just, you know, if, if it's just bad defense where, you know, you can't just take shots to your liver and to your body and expect to be able to walk through them. I'm not sure what his issue is. So I don't know if just, you know, naturally being bigger. Cause I mean, on fight night, he wasn't a little guy, you know, you put that weight back on anyway. So um, I'm, I'm sure he was walking in at 170, you know, plus anyway. So, um, I'm not sure if that's going to really play too much of a factor, especially he's moving up. And Rick Story might not be a big 170, but he is a powerful uh, 170. And uh, I just like uh, the hooks here uh, to the body and to the head. I think they just get get the job done. 
Yeah, that certainly is a path to victory for Rick Story. Now, next up, we got the co-main event of the evening. We got Anthony Rumble Johnson. He's minus 210. The comeback on Glover Teixeira is plus 175. This is a hell of a fight, man. And, uh, you know, it's interesting with Rumble Johnson, if you watch his fight with Arlovsky. So that first round, he breaks Arlovsky's jaw. He looks like a world-class uh, kickboxer. That second round, he's shooting for sloppy takedowns. He and So I, I don't really know what the deal is with Rumble, man. I just know that in those first seven minutes... Uh, you better fucking put your hands up and your chin down because that dude can crack. And uh, with Teixeira, man, I got a lot of respect for him. He's so tough. He's been around the block. He's fought everybody. He went to a decision with John Jones. I think uh, Jones would submit Anthony Rumble. But, you know, every fight's different. And uh, MMA math obviously doesn't work. I think, once again, just like the last fight, I think there's a speed difference here and a power difference. Yes, Glover does hit hard, but I think Rumble hits harder, and I think he's quicker. And the work he's been putting in with Henry Hooft is taking him a long way, man. You know, in his last, I think he's like, what, 9-1 in his last 10 fights or something like that with the only loss being to Cormier, which, again, he showed those same instincts that when he gets tired man he becomes a different dude you know he starts shooting for these sloppy takedowns and he's gassing all over the place i'm like fuck man so first seven minutes of this fight is where rumble needs to you know connect with a big high kick a big left hook a big overhand right if he doesn't things will get very interesting but you know we got to make picks right so i believe he will get it done and i parlayed uh, rumble with colby covington so james vick who you got man you got johnson or you got glover yeah, um, I think it's just too strong and too fast, too athletic, and just hits too hard. Um, I love Glover. Um, definitely, if the fight goes past, you know, a round and a half, like you said, that first seven minutes, you know, if it goes past that, you know, Glover's got a great chance to win. But and I think he would, be, I think he would have a better chance if this was a five round fight. But I just don't think I don't honestly. I think he, I think he might get knocked out. I think. Anthony Johnson is so explosive and so strong, and I just think that Glover's hand speed is, you know, a little bit, a little bit slow to be honest. And I mean, his chin's good, but I don't, I don't think it's going to be enough. I think he's going to get hit flush. He's going to hit clean, and I think that Anthony Johnson's probably going to win by a first round knockout. Hey, Team Rock Big, you ready to shake things up, man? You know I am, sir. I am taking Glover Teixeira here. No. <laughs> I just did not get behind Anthony Rumble Johnson um, just for the fact because Cormier told us all he was a quitter and then he went out there and made him quit. Um, and that's just not something that you'll ever see Glover to share or do is quit. So I think that now the points you guys made are, are is valid. Anthony Rumble Johnson is the faster and he probably hits the harder, but he is not the cleaner or more technical puncher here. And I think that's going to be the trouble because when you throw so hard, you have to open up. And the time to knock people out is when they throw big or when they go big. You don't have to hit them as hard to hurt them as much because they're opened up. And I think that the big looping shots that Anthony Rumble Johnson throws could end the fight in a blink of an eye. But when you open up that wide, I think Glover Teixeira with nice, tight, straight punches can clip Anthony Rumble Johnson, hurt him, you know, which which wears down on your cardio, you know, and I think that he might not be the better wrestler, but he can clinch Anthony Rumble Johnson, make it a slower fight early on, and then start to pick him apart with the straighter, more cleaner shots. Anthony Rumble Johnson throws a big kick, but if you watch it, he doesn't open his hip when he kicks. So I don't know if he's not stepping out or what, but even when he kicked 
of Phil Davis. You shouldn't be able to kick someone in the head five or six times and not have them fall down. There's something there that he's missing out on. Um, and I just think that Glover has pretty, you know, pretty good defense in the pocket as well. I think he's just going to be able to land the cleaner shots. And I could see him also putting Anthony Rumble Johnson down and, uh, you know, submitting them via, you know, a head and arm choke or something like that. I could see Glover Teixeira getting that done. Wow, you really bring some good points to the table and a very bold pick on your behalf, man. Now, uh, I got to give credit to Anthony Rumble Johnson's improved grappling. I think the work he's been doing with Neil Melanson and Greg Jones at the Black Zillions, it's paid dividends. So maybe we shouldn't put much stock into the Manua fight where he was able to offensively uh, dominate him with the grappling. But how about that sprawl in the Ryan Bader fight? I mean, that was straight nuts to the forehead. Then he took his back and pounded him out, which no one expected. You know, people thought if he was going to knock out Bader, it'd be standing. But, you know, that sprawl was disgusting. Now, Sean, is he going to be able to translate that here, that improved grappling? Or do you think they're going to stand and bang until one guy falls? Yeah, I, I, I mean, yeah, they're going to stand and bang until one guy falls. I, Glover does have what it takes to do what what other people have done to, to Johnson to make him quit. But the problem is you got to get him to deep water to, to do that. And that's a huge if in this fight. Uh, the, the second part of that is, you know, if Anthony Johnson is out in front the whole time, this fight could actually look a lot like the Phil Davis fight without Phil Davis's granite chin being involved. Uh, Anthony Johnson could stay outside and just be the quicker guy for three rounds. Uh, without being dragged down and without having his cardio attacked for the whole fight, he, he could just walk away 30-27 too if he wanted to. The problem with Glover is, is seemingly when I bet on Glover, all this stuff, hey, he's talking about retirement. Man, he's old. Man, he's had a lot of injuries. Hey, he's trained in a, in a garage in Connecticut with neighborhood kids. You hear that over and over again. This time against Anthony Johnson, you don't hear that for summer. I don't know why that's not being brought up again. It should be being brought up uh he is a hard puncher and it is pretty technical but it is the same two uh two punch combination over and over again it's kind of like an overhand right followed by a left hook um and, and you know anthony johnson is going to be able to figure that out at some time in the first round these guys have to exchange and the, the speed and the power difference is huge and even if you beat anthony johnson you don't get out of it without getting clipped once you're, you're gonna get hit and and i think that one time where he gets wobbled, like he did against Maldonado, and like Bader. he did several times, like he did several times and get dropped by Bader, the same thing's going to happen here. So one of these early exchanges when Anthony Johnson is super fresh, it's, it's lights out. It's stiff as a board face down time. Anthony Johnson, big KO. Next up, the moment we've all been waiting for, the main event of the evening. Conor McGregor is minus 130. The comeback on Nate Diaz is plus 110. Man, this is a hell of a fight. The first time they fought was incredible. Now, when I back Conor McGregor to be one of the greatest of all times, 170 was never part of the equation. It was always 145 pounds, but the dude's got a brass pair on him, man. I got to tell you what, to go up two weight classes. Now, I know people are talking shit saying, oh, but Diaz is a lightweight. But yeah, he's a lightweight, but he's not cutting those 15 pounds, man. So th that's a big difference. And man, it's a tough matchup for McGregor, but... You know, every fight is different. You know, you look at uh, Rockhold versus Bisbing. The first time they fought, both guys had full camps. Rockhold beat the shit out of him. The second time they fought, Rockhold had a full camp. Bisbing was, you know, doing the whole movie set thing. He was out getting drunk, you know, 10 days short notice. Then he goes out there and knocks out Rockhold in the first round. So there's no foregone conclusions in the sport. Anything can happen. 
And now it's about who you're picking to win this fight. I'm gonna go with Conor McGregor here. I just uh, how no, dare you? I know, right? No, no logic behind it. I just think you'll counter him with either a straight left, a spinning kick. Look, I don't care how good your chin is. If you get that heel to the chin, you're going down. It doesn't matter who you are. Now he was swinging at air the first time they fought, but he also completely underestimated Diaz. You know, he he thought that, you know, I'm a god. Anyone that I touch will go down. Now that he realizes that. He can't put Diaz down. Maybe he'll take the approach he took in the Max Holloway fight, which is to you know pick him apart for three rounds. And you know people question uh, McGregor's cardio. I really don't think his cardio or his jujitsu was the issue the first time they fought. I think it was uh, you know he got mentally drained because he couldn't put him down. And I think if he changes his approach, he can last longer in this fight. But the thing is with the Diaz bros, you got to put them away. I mean, or outpoint them, or out wrestle them. I don't think uh, McGregor's going to out wrestle him. He's, so he's got to outpoint him or knock him out, and it's going to be really tough to do. From a betting perspective, I mean, Nate's plus 110, so I don't blame you for betting on him. I'm not going to be betting on McGregor for the first time. I'm 7-1 and one betting McGregor fights. This will most likely be the first time I pass on one. Just, I mean, I'm not betting against Nate at that line. However, I mean, dude, plus 110 on Nate sounds good, but this is one of those spots where everyone is like, you know, betting the house on Nate, and that makes me feel very uncomfortable because there's no strength in numbers in this game, man. So not that Nate gives a shit about who's betting on him, not that that's going to affect how he fights, but you know how this shit goes, man. This is, that's why we tune in, because there are no foregone conclusions, and this is a crazy fucking sport. So anything can happen. My pick is McGregor to get it done, as crazy as that sounds. JV, who you got, man? Yeah, I'm. you know what? I'm, I've been a huge McGregor fan over the last couple of years, but honestly... I, I just think Nate Diaz is too big for him. I think he's too big. He's too rangy, and I understand what you say. If he if he makes a few adjustments, he can he can outpoint him maybe. But there, this is a five round fight, isn't it? Yep. Yep. Yeah. There's there's no way. There's no way. Um, I think here's the problem with 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 Connor, and it's like you know I I it's funny after that happened. I remember uh, they sh- I saw on Twitter that Joe Lozon video where he talked about how you know. He picked, that he picked Nate, and he was like, you know, everything McGregor does really is all the spinning moves and the setups is really just to hide the left hand. Everything he's doing is just trying to set up the big left hand. And the thing is, is one thing that could help him is if, if I think he should, he was trying that knee stomp last fight. I think he should switch into an outside low kick, you know, being southpaw versus southpaw, and I think that should help him a lot, just like RDA hit him with, because obviously McGregor's a very hard kicker. But the problem is, is I don't think McGregor fights any other way. Any any fight he's ever been, he, he's a walk a dude down. You know, he's a slick southpaw, so you know he, he does a good job blocking. You know, move, a good head movement, everything. And he, he's a pressure fighter, and he's gonna meet another pressure fighter because Diaz was moving around last fight. But make no mistake about it, the Diaz brothers have always been pressure fighters, and he's gonna meet another pressure fighter. And unless he can just land the knockout blow, he ain't, he ain't going to outlast him for five rounds. There's no way. And his wrestling is not good enough to get, to get him down. And if he does, well, his wrestling might be good enough to get him down, but it wouldn't be the broadest idea to do so. You know, when you're five foot nine and he's six foot two, you know, and have been a black belt for multiple years now. Um, I just think that, that Diaz is too big. His chin's too good. You know, McGregor comes out, he's a, he's head hunting and, you know, he can say he's going to make adjustments. Or actually, McGregor even said the other day, he's like, I'm, I'm going to fight the exact same way I fought. I'm just going to, you know, add some stuff and be more efficient. But that's the way he fights. He, he's a he, he, he's a walk, walk a dude down, pressure guy. And 
like the style to beat, really the style to beat the Diaz brothers is just like Carlos Condon did. You, unless you can out wrestle them and, and, and keep yourself safe from the jiu-jitsu aspect, you have to move on them because their chins are so good. And um, it's just, uh, or how, how uh, Josh Thompson did them. You know, he moved on them when he ended up getting a head kick knockout. Um, McGregor's not going to move on him. McGregor's a pressure guy. Even if he starts off slow doing that, he's eventually he's going to get met, met with pressure, and it's going to be two pressure guys fighting each other. And Nate Diaz has a better gas tank. And over five rounds, I think Nate Diaz, I think it's going to be a better fight. And I think that, I think Nate Diaz gets a third or fourth round finish is what I think is going to happen. And, and that's surprising because I'm a huge, I'm a huge McGregor fan. I really am, but he's just he's not big enough to fight Nate Diaz at 170. They said Nate Diaz is walking around at 195, 200 pounds right now. I just think that it's it's a bad matchup for him. Sean, were you about to add something? No, I was just saying bravo to James's breakdown because he's fucking right. Yeah, that was a very, very good breakdown. <laughs> now, Team Rock Biggie, man. I mean, I know, I know you know about that winner learn so. Let me know what's up, man. Yeah, um, uh, very interested in this fight. Obviously, I think a lot of people are too. Um, I think that Conor McGregor is going to win this fight, uh, and I think that he does it fighting just like he did. I think that he does have to be a little bit more intelligent with the amount of power he is using in every shot. He does need to go the Max Holloway route, kind of pepper more than um, throw the power as much as, as much as he did in the first fight. Joe Wilson is 100% correct. Conor McGregor, as much as you can say he boxed before he did MMA or whatever, John Kavanaugh comes from a karate background. That's John's background. A lot of those fighters over there still, as much as they move around, they throw these kicks, they, they have that karate-esque Gunnar Nelson, Leota Machida kind of karate style. And it's traditional martial arts. You keep your power hand behind you, and you do everything in your power to get them to walk into that power punch, and that's what McGregor has. Um, I love what James Vick said. The the thing that you have to do to Diaz is leg kick the shit out of him. Make him not be able to be heavy on his lead leg because that allows him to throw that stiff-ass jab and that slapping check hook if you allow him to stay there and plant. Kick that leg hard. He has to move. He has to respect it. You start tenderizing that leg. That'll give you the spin kicks. That'll give you your left hand. That immobilizes him a little bit. And that's, I feel like that's what McGregor needs to do. If he thinks he's going to box and outbox the Diaz, that's not going to happen. He's going to get touched up just like he did in the first fight because he'll eventually lose gas because he's not efficient with his uh, boxing as well as Nate is. Um, I think that he can land some good punches, but if you watch, people are saying Nate Nate might have been hurt at some point in that first fight, but Nate boxed spars so much that he knows how to roll with punches. A lot of those shots were hitting as Nate was pulling back, receiving them, instead of being a stationary target, just standing there absorbing the blows. He was rolling with them, and that's what made uh, Connor lose um, a lot of the steam because he was hitting something, but it wasn't. he wasn't getting that um, restraint back, you know, when he's hitting. So he wasn't hitting as clean as he's accustomed to. But I think he needs to kick the leg, go to the body, pick his shots when he wants to sit down and throw hard. Um, I think McGregor can get the finish later in the rounds. I think he's going to, like you said, I don't think he's going to move like Josh Thompson did, 
But I think if he can pepper the leg, he can eventually land uh, a high kick, a spin kick, or even walk him into a big left where I can see Conor McGregor putting down Nate Diaz and getting the finish, um, you know, which I don't think Nate has been maybe besides the Josh Thompson fight knocked out um, or TKL that way. But I can see Conor McGregor getting it done because he does have tremendous power in that left hand. Yeah, now, Sean, Connor's been saying that, you know, he slapped the head off Nate for the first eight minutes of that fight. Let's be honest. But, you know, I completely disagree. I think that's fight promotion. And also, you know, back to the training partners talk, Nate's been putting in work with guys like Andre Ward. And it's not just for this camp. It's been for years. So, I mean, really on paper, Nate should win this fight. Now, uh, what do you know about the guys that Connor McGregor has brought in? Because apparently they are world-class guys. Is this true, Sean? I, I know that the guy in L.A. is not a world-class guy. He's, he's a decent boxer, but he's not. I wouldn't call him a, a world-class guy. As far as bringing in other rangy southpaws, I don't know who they are. But the guy in uh, Chris, I forget his last name in L.A., no. Oh, yeah, but give me your breakdown, bro, because I know for a fact if you're saying this guy ain't world-class, then obviously he's nowhere near a training partner like Andre Ward's level because Andre no, Ward is as world-class as it gets, in my opinion. Yeah, it's, it's not even close. I, I've heard this fight be broken down with so many we don't know this and we don't know. It's much. It, it seems like you're missing it to not break it down on what we do know because we do know a lot of stuff. I mean – McGregor is a plan A guy. His plan A is, is awesome. He does stalk you. He, he does land big power. He is fast, and he is super accurate. Um, unfortunately, it looks like his plan B is to dive at the guy's legs when he's getting hit and get, and get tapped out quickly. I, look, watch the first fight and, and pretend it's not McGregor. Pretend people – and I'm not saying this is you. I love McGregor, too. I'm just saying McGregor quit in that fight. When you get lined up and nailed like that and rocked, and the next thing you do is shoot an ill-advised takedown, that's a panic move. That's not a smart thing to do. That's a I-don't-want-to-get-hit-in-the-face move. He wanted to not get knocked out. And when we see other guys fight and we see that same exact scenario go down, we always call it a quit. Why not call it a quit in that first fight? I have no fucking clue. So as far as what I feel like I do know, I know in that first fight that McGregor quit. Uh, what's the new game plan? The new game plan is to save power, to not throw as much, to, throw a, to, to fight a slower-paced fight. The game plan of fighting a paced boxing match with Nate Diaz is a horrible one. You're not going to fight a slower pace with, with Nate Diaz. You're going to fight a Nate Diaz pace, and there's nothing you can do about that. So have, have fun trying to save whatever you're going to save, but that's not going to work because if you slow down, he's going to speed up. And as far as Connor following a game plan, besides the one that we've seen him do over and over again, Kavanaugh, you know, he's an unproven Euro trainer with no other fighters of note. I don't have any idea if he can, if he can like do a Winkle John type game plan. I have no idea if Connor can, can, focus in on a perfect game plan and run it through a five-round fight because that's what he's going to have to do. We haven't seen that yet. We haven't seen that out of other Kavanaugh guys yet. Um, and McGregor just having to save energy in that fight. That's not McGregor. McGregor's not – what's he thinking? He's thinking, I'm going to catch you and I'm going to knock you out with this perfect shot. That's what he's thinking. Now he's thinking, all right, take it easy, Connor. All right, save a little bit, buddy. All right, buddy, don't get tired. That's what you're thinking all the time. Well, you're eating one-twos while you're thinking that. Um, 
it's not a good mindset for him to have coming into this fight. Uh, as far as McGregor's cardio, it's, it's unproven. It hasn't looked terrible. It's looked weak a few times. It looked downright horrible once. I think that was more of a panic quit, like a cardio quit, than, than him actually running out of gas. It's still unproven. Uh, McGregor throughout his whole entire career has gotten hit. He's gotten hit by Dennis Stever. He's it, When the fight has gone long enough, he's gotten hit. He will go in there and hit you with that left hand and be okay with taking a couple back. He's never been a super elusive guy. He, he will get hit. Um, and all the pressure is on McGregor. He has to prove this, that he's not a flash in the pan, that the Jose Aldo thing wasn't a fluke. Uh, that he belongs where he is. And don't overlook the history of a, of a match where you're supposed to beat a guy, he kicks the shit out of you, and then without a warm-up fight in between, without something soft in between, you go right back in against that second guy, that, that, or the guy who beat you. That never works. That barely ever works. The guy, you have no time to get your shit back together, your confidence on, and, and get back in there and think, oh, yeah, I still got it. Yep, I can do this. Nope, right back into the guy who destroyed you, and you got to bring a completely new game plan with you. I don't, I don't like any of that stuff. And as far as Diaz, we know that Diaz can take the shot. That doesn't mean that he can take every shot forever. All the shots that he took were good. Maybe he didn't eat the perfect one. Maybe this time he does eat the perfect one. Maybe they were all almost on the button. Maybe this time is on the button. You don't know that. But what we do know is that he can eat shots. He's done it his whole career, and he – ate the kitchen sink from Connor in the first uh, seven minutes of that first fight. Um, a downside for Diaz is he did more press. He's getting more love this time. Does that soften him up? I don't, he doesn't kind of strike me as that, as that guy. Diaz with a full camp this time. I think that ends up mattering in the long run. I think, you know, he's going to be more ready than he was. And we saw how he did when he supposedly wasn't ready the first time. He's really coming in this fight with barely any pressure whatsoever. He was supposed to lose the first time he won. Come on, man. This is Diaz can just be Diaz and go in there and do what he does. Connor is the guy who has to throw his whole shit upside down and do something completely different. Diaz is not an underdog in this fight. Diaz is a minus 175. Minus 175's loose, but he's certainly not a plus 110 or whatever he is right now. And one more thing. I know this is long as fuck. This idea that Diaz wants the rematch, the, the trilogy fight, to make more money. What does that conversation sound like? This is the most <laughs> tinfoil hat shit ever. Hey, uh, Nick, do you think I should maybe lose this fight so I can get more money next time? Well, yeah, Nate, I think go ahead. You know, maybe go in a little soft this time and just make more money. Listen, does, nobody in MMA thinks that the Diaz brothers get fucked more than the Diaz brothers. If the thought of it... it ever slipped into his head of, hey, maybe I just go to the trilogy and get more money. The next thought in this dude's head was, no, Dana in the UFC has been trying to fuck me forever. Everybody's trying to fuck me at all times. I've, I've lost every decision that I've ever won. There's no way that this guy is counting on being handed a third fight if he loses this fight. He's coming in to win this fight. So the idea that he's going to come in soft and maybe try to get the trilogy fight for more money, forget that. That's, that's bullshit. Diaz is not the dog in this fight. I don't understand anything else. I don't understand any other view besides that. Doesn't mean he's the lock. Doesn't mean he's going to win. He's certainly not the underdog. Wow. That, that was an unbelievable sorry. breakdown. No, don't be hey, sorry. I love this fight. I, I love this fight. And uh, you bring up some very good points about, you know, when that guy whoops your ass the first time and then you come back without 
a warm-up fight without, you know, some time between. You know, you look at Anderson Silva. That's a perfect example of what you're talking about. He loses to Chris Weidman. He comes back too soon in the rematch. And, you know, we know it ended with the unfortunate leg break. But, I mean, first of all, let's not act like checking uh, leg kicks isn't a real technique because it is a real technique. But how about the first round when Weidman dropped him and almost finished him there? Yeah. So, yeah. He did drop him. Yeah, so that that is a very, very good point. Now, another great point that you brought up is the fact that Diaz does have the psychological edge. There's no doubt about it. And it's pretty evident in the fact that, you know, I was at that uh, UFC 200 press conference because I went, um, I forgot what event I was attending. Oh, yeah, I was attending the event you beat uh, Glaco Franca at, James, uh, UFC 197. They did the 200 press conference there, and uh, Connor didn't show up. That, you know, the psychological edge is in Nate's corner. But also, the media obligations, you know, it's like the tables have turned. Now Nate's the guy going on all the late night talk shows and this and that. So do you think it's taken away from his training? James, what do you think about the mental side of things in this fight? Um, I don't, you know, I think both of them are very mentally strong. And really, I, I think they're probably equally mentally strong. Um, but I don't think that him going on any late night shows or any of that stuff is really going to affect his training or he, he's definitely not slacking in any area he never has in his past and I don't, I don't think that's going to be a problem now especially you know with his legacy riding on the line like like sean was just saying you know that he then when hell he's going to try to lose his fight you know he, he wants to win he knows if mcgregor wins he probably ain't getting the third match um uh, i think it's um i just um i think they're both mentally strong i just think honestly i think McGregor is the more skilled fighter, but I think he's too small, and I think he's not going to be able to hurt him enough to get the, the finish within the first couple rounds. And the, the deeper that fight goes, the better it is for Nate Diaz. He's a, you know he's a, he's a volume puncher and with a full camp now, so I, I just think it's um, mentally I think they're pretty they're pretty even, but you know size wise that size and and. Just it makes a difference. He, he's just fighting a bigger guy. Weight classes exist for a reason. And I understand, you know, Nate really is a 55er, but at this point he's 30 years old, 31 years old now. He has grown grown into a dude who walks around at 200 pounds, you know. And McGregor probably walks around at 170, you know. Exactly. He is a 55er, but he's not cutting. He's not cutting to 55. That I mean, 15 pounds make a big difference. And yeah, so you're 100% correct. There's no debating. Yeah, and, uh, he's the bigger guy. Uh, uh, Another thing is that the, with the leg kicks and stuff, I think, honestly, I think a good idea for McGregor would be if he tried that low leg kick, that calf kick, the same one, you know, uh, Bigfoot messed up Mark Hunt with a few years ago and the one Ben Henderson's, you know, known for. I think that would be a good move because um, those are really, I mean, Nate Diaz really don't check kicks anyway, but those are really hard to check, and um, I think that would be a good uh, a good, good move to try that the first round or two and see, see how that goes. Big, you got any closing remarks on this fight, man? Um, I just think that, um, like you guys said, with the media obligations being switched and stuff to, uh, the mental edge, I don't know if the mental part is good or bad because I think this loss has made Connor, you know, even though you said no makeup fights or, or, you know, a fight in between to, to do anything, um, you know, I've just been listening to a couple of interviews today from Connor and hearing him talk about the structure that they now have with their training um and his mindset you know he was like i was i'm so focused on being able to perform that you know it cost me um you know a fight on 200 because i didn't want 
to leave the structure that he had going in order to go to a press conference or do something like that. So to me, it just sounds like, you know, that might have made Connor even more mentally um, sharp and prepared than it might have hurt him to take that loss. You know, it's not like it's a undefeated fighter taking his first loss. You know, I mean, he's lost before. And so um, I, I'm just very interested to see how he responds, how he chooses to fight, how he chooses to, you know, implement whatever game plan or style or whatever they have um, prepared. I just think it's going to be an awesome fight, and I just can't wait to watch it. Now, Sean, everyone's gone twice on this fight because it's such a fucking unbelievable fight that, you know, you can't just get one take. So what, what are your closing remarks, my man? Oh, but my first take was so fucking long. Oh, um, oh we have it recorded. Yeah. Don't even worry about that. <laughs> I, I just don't. I understand that there's so many things that you could say could happen. And, and, you know, these are all educated guesses, and I respect everybody's guesses, basically. But right now... What we're doing is, is we're counting on things that we have not seen and we do not know, and we're putting them above things that we have seen and that we do know. I mean, James at the baseline is kind of right. Nate Diaz is too fucking big. He's too big, he's too rangy, and he plays Connor's game better than Connor does because Connor can do it better for a round, but he can't do it better for longer than Nate can. It's just... That's just what it is. Just watch that first fight. He did everything, and he said, oh, man, this guy is still there. What do I do? Oh, I got hit. Oh, dive at his feet. Quick tap. You know, you you want to recover from that instantly and jump right back in there? He can say all he wants in every press conference and every interview, but he's got to be doubting right now. He's got to be feeling bad. The shit talk is out the window. The I'm the king of the world shit is out the window. You know, different guy, different game plan. Let's see. Let's see if he, if Connor has a plan B when plan A doesn't work. He's still got 55 to drop to. He's still got 45, which you'll never see again, but he's still got that belt. He's got reasons to be like, all right, I can't fuck with 170. Let's get out of here. I just can't keep forgetting about the point you make about, you know, well, standing's not working, so I'm going to shoot for this desperate takedown and get tapped out because with a lot of guys, you know, I'm known for being a fan of fighters that have serious heart and don't quit. You know what I'm saying? And it's funny because I'm a fan of McGregor who did quit. But, uh, yeah, I mean, different dudes would handle that situation differently. You know what I'm saying? Like, I mean, we got two great fighters on the line here that would handle that situation differently. So, I mean, you're 100% correct. I mean, is that shit going to fucking happen again, though? You know what I mean? Can can Diaz Diaz take those shots again? If McGregor gets tagged with that clean one-two, will he shoot for a desperate takedown again? Because let's let's not... uh, Let's not discredit Nate Diaz one two. That one two is unfucking believable, man. Especially for MMA. Yeah. And when you got pro boxers like Andre Ward talking about how you know the Diaz brothers can hang in those sparring sessions, that's that's some serious praise, man. Man, yeah. I might have to play this it, it, plus one ten, dude. Can Can Connor work a serious game plan? Can Connor work a serious game plan uh, against anybody? We don't know that yet. Can Connor work a serious game plan against Nate Diaz, who is shit talking you and trying to smack you? That's the real question because I don't think he can. I think he's got to he's got to show off a little bit and feel like Connor when that shit talk starts coming. That's not good for him. I just like to say one thing. I know that different coaches and different fighters handle scenarios differently. Um, you know, Conor McGregor is he a wrestler? No, but I can tell you this: when you get fucking rocked in a fight, you know what you don't want to do? Stand right there and get fucking punched. So you got a couple options. 
you can run the fuck away, move around, try to gather yourself, or you do shoot a takedown or clinch or and try to recover. Uh, but shooting and trying to grapple to recover with Nate Diaz was the wrong decision. I would have tried to evade him, but I don't I don't necessarily fought Connor for shooting the takedown um, when you're hurt and rock like that. I mean, that's almost a natural reaction for anyone to try and gather yourself. You need time. So whether I take you to the ground, I hold you the long enough that the ref stands us up, you know what I mean, that, that decides on your background. Me personally, if I ever got rocked in a fight, I haven't yet, but if I did, I think that I'm comfortable enough shooting a takedown on someone because I have pretty good top control. But if the guy was a jiu-jitsu black belt, then maybe I would, you know, move around to try and recover or clinch him on his feet in order to, you know, not be knocked out. But, I mean, going to the ground did give him more opportunity to recover. He fought off the guillotine. You know, those are seconds that he's coming back to. Um, but he did just get punched and choked, you know what I mean? And obviously my last fight in the UFC, I chose to go to sleep, um, you know, but that I don't think that makes me any more of a man than him because I chose to go to sleep. I just, you know, thought that I could get out of it. And who knows, you know, if he what, what he was thinking there, but he was pretty fucking rock. Um, so people questioning the jiu-jitsu and so much his heart or whatever. Uh, I don't know. Maybe, you know, he did quick tap, but... Diaz is a black belt with a world-class squeeze. You know what I mean? So that thing could have been on there nasty, and it just could have, you know, that, that tap could have just came. So uh, I think people are looking into that a little too much. Okay, now one last question for James Vick. If Connor is to get rocked again by Nate Diaz, how do you think he should handle that situation? I mean, honestly, he should move, but that's not in his nature. You know, I mean, to be honest with you, it's, it, fighters very rarely go from what is in their nature. You can train someone to do something. You can train someone to be a mover, but if their nature is to be a pressure fighter, that's what they are. And um, I agree with what he just said about the clinching stuff as far as, I mean, you look at a pro boxer when he gets rocked, what does he do? The first thing he does is grab. It's a natural reaction, and it is, it is, um, uh, it's something that even the highest level strikers, you know, uh, pro boxers, pro kickboxers, when they get hit, you know, it's kind of, if you watch a you know a twelve round boxing fight, it's it's constant holding and grabbing. So um, I get what he's saying. Um, I, I still I'm still like on the fence whether I think he he turned and gave his back up from when he was a mount and kind of just gave it gave up or not. I still haven't decided because he because McGregor to me is definitely not a pussy and he's definitely a warrior. Um, now, I would agree with what he said earlier about Anthony Johnson, that he's had a tendency to give up, and I do agree with that um, big time. Uh, I think that the problem with, you know, for him is um, uh, is he's just so good, so big, strong, and athletic that 99% of people will never get to that point. I think styles make fights, you know, and I think that um, – like Cormier is a bad matchup for him, you know. If we're talking about Anthony Johnson, but but he will if he gets to a break point, I think he will break. He's broke, you know. If you do something once, you'll do it again. You know that's just the way it is. Um, I still haven't decided with Connor though, and I'm not sure honestly if he gets rocked again. I honestly maybe you should try to put him on the fence and, and hold him enough to recover or move around. But I mean, the, I mean, I think the fence would probably be more logical for him to try to try to upper body clinch him and press him on the fence and hold him there for a while. And, um, try to catch his bearings, um, versus moving around because Diaz is going to walk him down and, and McGregor's just not a lucid fighter. He's a pressure guy. So 
Maybe that's the best answer I got. I just don't know if he gets rocked, how he's going to handle it, to be honest. Yeah, and neither do I, man. That's such a big question going into this matchup. Man, you guys fucking killed it, man. Great breakdown. So let's get to the, the first fight of the night. We got Colby. Oh, hey, da- da- Daniel, I'm going to I'm gonna have to go. My girl's about to be home. All right, brother. Hey, follow James Vick at James Vick MMA. James, thanks a lot for the time, brother. All right, thank you, guys. All See right, you later. Peace out. All right. Follow James Vick, James Vick MMA. So, guys, let, let's talk about the first fight of the night. We got Colby Covington. He's minus 345. The comeback on Max Griffin is plus 285. Now, Max Griffin is actually a really good prospect. He's, I think he's going to have some success in the UFC. And his takedown defense is really good in the center of the octagon. But his takedown defense isn't good against the cage. Guess where Colby Covington likes to take people down? Against the cage. And, man, the way he chains his takedowns is so fucking good. You know, you start defending. You start trying to get these double underhooks. Then he ducks under and he's at your back. You turn into him. Then he's at your legs. So, I mean, Max Griffin, look, he's come a long way. You watch his fight on the Ultimate Fighter when he was 4-1. and one. Now he's 12-2. and two. He's come such a long way. And I do think he will get some victories in the UFC. But he's about to get grinded out by Colby Covington. And that's why I, uh, I parlayed Covington. You know, I, I, like I, you guys already know, I'm not a parlay man, but this is this is the spot to do it. So, what do you think, Sean? Um, I I avoided this one because I don't understand the matchup. I I don't I don't understand. See, that's really not saying shit because they've done pre- plenty of prospect versus prospect matchups that I don't understand either. But can they think that much about Max Griffin, the Throwman, Covington, like? Who's the UFC want here? Who's the guy that they want going forward? Because when you look at this fight on paper, it just looks like Covington is going to do to Griffin what he did to the last guy that he fought. He does look like he's just going to hold him down and grind him out. Um, He's not comfortable on the feet yet. Uh, He's pretty stiff. And Griffin is definitely better there and, and has some speed and power of his own. This looks like Covington should just grind out a 30-27 or at worst 29-28. But there's a lot of suspicious things, and and Covington's uh, stand-up hasn't seemed to progress very much since I've been watching him. So I'm going to stay away from this one, but I would pick Covington if I had to. Yeah, if Covington decides to test his stand-up, I'm going to be screaming at the TV, that's for sure. And I was actually considering taking that shot on Max Griffin, but then you know, I watched him fight some fucking journeyman on the local scene, and he got taken down the exact way that Colby likes to take dudes down. So I'm banking on that. Yeah, you're probably right. Yeah, And I'm hoping, you know, chain the fucking takedowns, ride the leg, duck under, and just fucking grind this dude out. Don't test your stand-up in this fight. Biggie Rhodes, do you think Colby Covington is going to be disciplined and take this dude down, or is he going to fucking be cocky and try to test his uh, stand-up? Nah, I think he's smart. He knows what he's good at. Um, he's going to wrestle him. He's going to take him down. I think he's going to grind him out. Um, yeah, you know, I mean, and, and the thing is this. You either get, like, how big can Kobe Covington really be? But let's be honest here. How how big can he really be? Does he have superstar personality or anything? Doesn't come off that way. You know what I mean? Yeah. So if yeah. he does go out there and get knocked out by Max Griffin, then Max Griffin has a little bit more of a look, a little bit more of a personality to him. Um, and if Covington goes out and smashes – Max Griffin, there's no there's no love lost there. You know, it's not like, you know, either guy is a super duper prospect as far as popularity. Maybe as fighters, yes, they could grow into something, but as far as their popularity level, you know, they're they're kind of both just eh, you know. So 
Um, I think that Kobe Covington goes out there and get the win, though. Yeah, now, next up we got Marvin Vittori. He's minus 170, and the comeback on Alberto Uda is plus 150. Now, firstly, this fight is being contested at, at 185 pounds. A lot of people had questions about that because the newcomer, Martin Vittori, he is kind of small for the weight class. You know, he's a natural 170-pounder. And, uh, you know, one funny thing about this fight, this shit ain't no Venator anymore. You know, the fucking ref doesn't have an earpiece, and he's not going to be telling the opponent when to go down. I think Alberto Uda's UFC experience, I know he's only had one fight, but the fact that he got that under his belt is going to be huge. His clinch is absolutely disgusting. And with Marvin Vittori, look, you're not fighting Igor Araujo anymore. He's not going to take a knee with the first punch you throw. And But Marvin does train at King's MMA, and we know Alberto Uda has a soft frame. So... If Marvin can use that King's MMA body kick, maybe he can fold up Uda. But I think this is, you know, this is Uda's second fight. And in that second fight, people show a lot more than they did in their first UFC fight. And Uda's going to knock him out with a big knee from the clinch. I took that shot at plus 150. Now, Biggie, I'm going to let you talk about this fight for a sec. I got to, you hear my dog barking at me. I'm going to put this fucker upstairs. But uh, you talk about it. And uh, then, Sean, if I'm not back, you talk about it too. But Biggie, go ahead, man. Uda versus Vittori. Uh, this is a bad fight to walk away from me on because I don't know either one of these guys. Uh, I don't know. I don't know much to say about either of these guys. Um, I know Uda has, like you said, a previous UFC fight. Um, other than that, I don't even know how that fight went. I don't know how he looked. I don't know what he's good at. And I definitely don't know the other guy, um, at all, but Sounds like it's a fight that I should watch. You know, they're middleweights, potential opponents for me when the UFC calls me back up. So uh, I'm going to take the guy with the one UFC fight and go with the Uda character uh, for the victory. There we go. <laughs> Sean Carey Tattoo, your turn, brother. Take some time. Yeah, not, not a terrible idea. That is news to me that this fight is at 185 because I thought it was at 170, which worried me a little bit more. But if it's at 185, I feel even better about it. Um, I like Uda, and, and his experience is, you know, part of it. He's gotten that first fight out of the way. And, you know, we don't need to see a ton more of of Euro-regional guys who are smashing over there come over here and, and, and lose pretty easily for, for us to understand that that's a thing that happens. Um, you can, you know, you can smash people in an Italian promotion. He's actually got some pretty good guys on his on his resume, but... You know, when it comes down to it, he wants takedowns. He wants to work a top game. And uh, Uda, questionable cardio at this point, would have been even worse at 170. At 185, maybe he's better because it's the second fight. But I, I like him to do what he wants to do, which is walk forward into the clinch, grab it, and start delivering hellacious knees. Hopefully he does that enough and, and knocks the Tory out without gassing out himself. If this does end up on the ground, I mean, Uda's got it covered there, too. I don't know if he's the one who, who gets the sub, but, I mean, he's got Joss down there. It's it's for real. So uh, I, I like Uda standing in the clinch to, to do what he's done to people in the past. I am not sold on Tory at all. Yeah, well, hopefully Uda lands that big knee in the clinch because I took that one-unit shot on him at plus 145, and now it got even better. It's plus 150, so... Yeah, I took that shot, man. Now, next up, we got Random Marco. She's minus 140. The comeback on Courtney Casey is plus 120. Now, when this fight got announced, I was thinking to myself, man, I'm going to fade Random Marcos here. I'm going to take Courtney Casey. But then I went back and watched the film. And even in Casey's last fight where she won via first-round TKO, man, up until the TKO, she was looking slow, sloppy. It's just she was fighting a, 
a fighter that should have been a fucking atom weight or whatever the weight class below it is, you know? And this ain't the case with Randa. Randa, you know, she she was competitive with Karolina Kovacavich, who arguably will be the next champion. I, I will be making that bet. Breaking news. And, uh, yeah, so she she fought close with her. I think Randa will get the unanimous decision here. What do you think, Team Rock Biggie? Randa Panda Marcos. That's my <laughs> home girl. I'm not picking against her. I'm taking her here for the win. I think she's going to get in there. She's tough as hell. She's gritty. She's going to get in that girl's face, beat her up, take her down. And Randa Panda's going to pound her out. That's what I'm taking. TKO, Randa Panda Marcos. Sean Carey? Yeah, I watched The Nice Guys with Ryan Gosling and uh, Russell Crowe. It's like the 70s detective movie. Uh, it's pretty funny. If you've ever seen Kiss Kiss Bang Bang with uh, Val Kilmer, that one's the same director. It's really funny. Worth renting. Watch it. It's hilarious. Awesome. And at the over. Yes. Yeah, and speaking of betting overs, we got Raquel Pennington, who's minus 260. The comeback on Elizabeth Phillips is plus 220. Now, Raquel has come a long way. She really has, you know, even though I thought she lost her last fight against Betch. Now, the thing with Phillips is... On paper, she is 1-2 and two in the UFC, but you go back and watch those two fights that she lost. She arguably won them. She beat Val Letourneau, in my opinion. She beat Milana Dudieva. That was one of the worst rob- robberies we've ever seen in our lives, where it was a 30-27 Dudieva. And, uh, you know, then Phillips went on that rant where, you know, she said some dumb shit she shouldn't have said, but... There was a reason she said it, because she got absolutely robbed. Then she came back and beat Duke, who, you know, you, you got to beat Jessamine Duke. But, you know, the thing people talk about is, oh, her only win is against Jessamine Duke. But it's like, nah, man, she beat Val Letourneau and that other chick she fought, too. She comes out of a tough camp, you know, with Chiesa, with Juliana Pena and all those fighters. So what I think is going to happen is Elizabeth Phillips is going to win the first round. Raquel Pennington is going to win the third round. And it all comes down to who wins the second round. So my official pick is Elizabeth Phillips via controversial split decision. Who you got, Team Rock Biggie? Uh, man, I'm terrible at here because I don't know who Elizabeth Phillips is. I should have looked at it. but you don't, um, you don't need to. I don't even, like Raquel, she has made big, big, you know, changes, uh, leaps in her game as far as, uh, you know, me. She had a negative record at one point, I'm pretty sure, uh, in the UFC and was still ranked, like, top in the world. I just didn't understand it. But, um, yeah, I'm going to pick the Elizabeth girl for for the win. Boom. (laughs) <laughs> Next up, we got the friends of friends fighting. We got Chris Avila is minus 105, and Artem Lobov is minus 115. Now, Chris Avila's got a 7-inch reach advantage in this fight. You know, he's Nate Diaz's boy. Artem is Connor's boy. And Artem, yeah, you know, he is a jobber. He has looked like shit in the UFC, but the two guys he fought are way better than Chris Avila. You know, when you think about his fight with Ryan Hall, yeah, Ryan Hall had his back for all three rounds, but Ryan Hall also couldn't tap him out, and Ryan Hall is apparently a world-class jiu-jitsu guy. So, you know, MMA math doesn't mean shit. But if Ryan Hall can't tap him out, I don't think Chris Avila will tap him out. So it's going to come down to the stand-up. Artem's got about a four-minute gas tank, but in those four minutes, he fucking cracks, man. And uh, I think he's going to welcome Chris Avila to the UFC and finally get his first UFC victory. But after that, who knows what the fuck's going to happen. But my official pick is Artem Lobov. Who you got, Sean? Oh, it's a total fucking toss-up. I have no idea. I don't think Avila's ready to be here. I don't think a Lobov should be here. I think they're both here because of their connections to other people. Um, Lobov is so sloppy. Uh, he can crack, and he's got a little bit of speed, but he's he's super sloppy and doesn't mind getting hit. Avila's footwork is not good. Um, he doesn't show much else. He's a striker, but there's not a ton of striking there. Um, 
it's it's tough to call. I'll just pick straight punches over round punches. I'll I'll pick a pillow. All right, and uh, wow, I think we covered the whole car. So before we get out of here, we got to get to the fight to watch and the fighter to watch. So first up, the fight to watch for UFC 202. That's not named McGregor versus Diaz. Sean, what's the fight to watch, bro? That's not named McGregor versus Diaz? Oh, man, you caught me. Okay, it's got to be Magny Larkin. Got to be Magny Larkin because what Magny does do is is make exciting fights because he could look like he's done and be winning two minutes later. He's he's fun to watch, and it's fun to watch somebody that gritty and that fucking rough. It just keeps on going, just keeps on pushing, and he's just he's just outspeeding the other guy, like cardio wise and movement wise and thinking wise. He's he's a force, man. It, it's going to be interesting to see what he does in this fight. Yeah, I mean that's a hell of a fight, and there's a reason it's headlining. You know the five pass prelims. It is that featured five pass prelim for a very good reason. Team Rock Biggie, what is the fight to watch, my man? Um, I'm going to have to agree with him. I'm thinking it's no Magni and Lorenz Larkin. I think that is definitely the fight uh, to watch. I think it's going to be a great um, scrap. And like I said, I, I still see Neil coming away with that, but it's going to be an exciting matchup. Yeah, my fight to watch is Rumble Johnson versus Glover to share a look. No matter the outcome, this is going to be an exciting fight. And uh, someone's going to hit the deck in that fight, so I cannot wait for that. So lastly, the fighter to watch for UFC 202. Who is it, Sean? Can I pick Diaz? Go ahead, man. All right, I'll, I'll pick Diaz. I think, you know, this is a long time coming. This is a, a great story for him to, you know, ask to be cut X amount of years ago, to be uh, a, uh, to beat the UFC's biggest star and maybe be on the cusp of being the UFC's biggest star. Uh, it'd, be, it'd be great for him to win. It'd be fun to watch him win. He's a good... Uh, Maybe he's not a good talker, but he's awfully fun to listen to. He, he does things that create excitement. He gets people talking. Um, you know, and, and beating Connor will just make him bigger. So I, I like Nate Diaz for the, for the fighter to watch, and, and he's going to push the, push the sport forward. Mike, who's the fighter to watch, man? Obviously, it's your boy Connor McGregor getting it done going back to being Mystic Mac, going down and then knocking out Aldo, then coming back up and winning the 55-pound strap. So he's wow. got to start with this victory this weekend. He's going to have a hell of a performance. I can't wait to see how he uh, how he gets it done. Yeah, boy. I mean, he arguably should be wearing two belts right now, but uh, that guy RDA pulled. But, hey, big props to Nate Diaz. I mean, that dude is a... Bad motherfucker. My fighter to watch is Donald Cowboy Cerrone. Anytime he fights is super exciting. But if he gets that victory over Rick Story, I mean, that'll really propel him to top 10 in the UFC welterweight division. I mean, he's already been a perennial top five guy at lightweight, but now he's making a name for himself at 170. So if he can go out there and beat a guy like Rick Story, the sky could be the limit at this weight class for Donald Cowboy Cerrone. Now, guys, thank you so much for taking the time to speak with me right here, right now on Half the Battle. It's been an absolute pleasure. Man, that breakdown we had of McGregor-Diaz was epic. I don't think anyone else is topping that. Not that we're in competition, but just thank you guys. You put it all on the line. It's much appreciated. And uh, now we got to let the audience know where to follow you. So, Team Rock Biggie, man. I think uh, we know your, your Twitter handle, but anything else you want to plug, bro, let us know, man. Yeah, like you said, man, it's Team Rock Biggie. That's Twitter, Instagram, 
Snapchat. You can you can check out my website, BiggieMMA.com, uh, Mike Biggie Rhodes fan page over on Facebook or Mike Biggie Rhodes. Um, get at me, man. Follow me everywhere. I got some big fight news hopefully coming. Um, heard some stuff about an opponent today in a show. So, uh, you know, hopefully this is the one that will put me back where I belong, and that's in the UFC. Um you know, uh, so yeah, just check check my social media out. Be prepared for this announcement, and uh, yeah, man, I just can't wait for the card. Hope it's a good one. Hopefully, I win you guys some money. Uh, listen to my picks because um, normally I'm right, especially on the big fight. <laughs> Daniel Levy bets against me. So, uh, yeah, think about that. Think about that. Hey, and real quick before before I let you go, Mike. So. We mentioned at the beginning of the show how you just cornered a UFC world champion. I mean, you told me how amazing that was, but what's that done for you as a fighter, knowing what it's like to see, you know, knowing how a world champion trains? What's that done for you, bro? Um, Tyron is like, you know what I mean? And you, you, you probably hear it all the time, you know. Um, you know, the first couple of training camps he came up and did, he did the Kevin Gasolum training camp with us. He did the Johnny Hendricks training camp with me. And then, uh, obviously, this one with me and my teammate, Gerald, um, both being in his corners that night, both um, fighters our own right. Gerald just went out and beat the Sid Wheeler uh, kid who was supposed to be a prospect down in um, Tennessee on, on, on short notice, just went and broke that kid's arm. So shout out to him. But um, it's helped both of us just relook at how we train. Tyrant not only trains hard, but he trains smart. He has so many little things uh, that he does that keeps him active as a fighter that I've taken and added to my game. Um, just his mindset on things is so different. And uh, he's truly like a big brother to me. And I, I can only see my career going up, continuing to work with him and be around him and just sees the, see the way that he carries himself and the way that he goes about things. And he really looks out for me. Um, you know, he almost got me a, a, a little movie, a little movie role, a little stunt double thing. Um, so yeah, man, Tyron's family looks out for me, but as a fighter, it just made me know that if I, if I believe in myself truly, fuck what everybody else says that I can go out and do whatever I put my mind to and that I can go out and be a world champion too. It might take a little bit longer. You might not be the one that the people at the top want to be the champion, but if you do the right things, you stay the course, you know, you can go out there and snatch that dream right away from them. The people that are trying to keep it away from you. And then once you get it, don't don't play, um, you know, don't play their game. Stay true to yourself. Don't turn into a yes man because they'll chew you up and spit you out. So um, that's kind of what I got from Tyron. I know that was a lot, but that guy trains hard, man. That man's dedicated and um, he's truly passionate, but he's also a really good fucking dude. So, um, you know, I've taken away a lot of stuff in my camp and I can't wait to apply it in this upcoming fight for me um, and get back to where I belong, like I said. Oh, yeah, you're going to get back there really damn soon. I know this for a fact. And uh, you are who you surround yourself with. So you surround yourself with world champions. So, I mean, that's that's what's up, my man. Now, Sean, let them know where to follow you. You know, you and I, we got the same uh, betting record going to this event. I have a feeling one of us is going to be uh, smiling big on Saturday night. The question is well, who? Well, I hope it's me. <laughs> <laughs> so let, let them know where to follow you, man. And, uh, you know, you're one of the few that sells picks. But, you know, I, I talk shit, but not about you because you're a fucking winner. So, you know, if you're going to buy picks from someone, you buy them from a guy like Sean Carey Tattoo. Well, thank you, Daniel. You know, I appreciate it. Uh, you can follow me. The Twitter is Sean Carey Tattoo. If you actually want to see my 
actual tattoos is Sean Carey Tattoo on Instagram. Um, if you want to buy the bets, it's furiesfightpick.com. You can find all the info on my Twitter. Uh, I'm coming off of a huge win last week, and uh, I got a pretty big goddamn card this week, too. So, yeah, hopefully if one of us is crying, it is not me. <laughs> well, guys, thank you so much again for taking the time to speak with me right here, right now on Half the Battle. Always a pleasure, and man, we're going to all be tuning in Saturday night because shit is going to go down. Make sure you follow me on Twitter, at BestFightPicks. Go to BestFightPicks.com for my plays, and subscribe to Half the Battle on iTunes, SoundCloud, and YouTube. And until the next time, let's cash some bets.